Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. Some weeks we break down one larger mystery between the two of us. Other weeks we pick two smaller mysteries on a theme and teach each other about them based on our own independent research. If you want to support the show, go on Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us at Unknowable Podcast on Instagram. Find us on Facebook and become a patron on Patreon, where we still have a limited edition Mothman block print. Heck yeah. All right. This week, we've got a local, local. To, to, knowing, to New England yep. topic of the Bennington Triangle. Yes. Which is Bennington, Vermont. Bennington, Vermont, which we have, well, we don't have a connection to Bennington, but we have a connection to Vermont. Correct. Yeah. Our grandparents used to live in Pulteney. Right. Which, damn, I totally forgot to check how close that is to Bennington. It's so, okay, so Bennington is like the bottom left corner of Mm -hmm. Vermont, and I think Pulteney is like the middle left of Vermont. Okay. So So it's like... It's close-ish. Close-ish. I feel like everything in Vermont is pretty close-ish. Exactly. Unless it's like top versus bottom, but yeah. Right. (laughs) Shouldn't say top versus bottom. (laughs) (laughs) So... Anyways. Vermont. Spooky. Right. It's in the the Green Mountains, so it's like pretty untapped wilderness oh yeah um this area used to be like logging towns there's a bunch yep. of like ghost towns up there now that have been abandoned since like the 1930s mm-hmm. um which is so creepy on its own oh yeah super creepy i want to check super out some creepy. of those ghost towns that'd be super cool yeah that have like no people living in them anymore right just, like just been given up to the structures. wilderness yeah oh yeah yeah, the, the phrase the Bennington Triangle was coined by New England paranormal author Joseph A. Citro. Citro, yep. During a public radio broadcast in 1992. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, this is southwestern, right? Southwestern Vermont. Yep. Um, shares characteristics with the Bridgewater Triangle, which is probably a little better known, mm-hmm. I would say. People seem to know that of the triangles. I don't know how many triangles there are right. in the United States, but in Bermuda England, Triangle, obviously. Right. In New England, I think it's just the two. Yeah. Bridgewater and Bennington. And they're pretty close to each other. And the Bridgewater Triangle is in Western Mass. Yeah. Massachusetts. Yep. So, So, which I have been to Bridgewater before, like years ago for a wedding. Oh, interesting. I wish I knew at the time that it was this spooky place. You made it out alive, though. I made it out alive. Yeah. So, um, this area has also been called the Triangle of Doom, which I gotta say I don't like as much. No. Honestly? That kind of sounds a little silly to me. It's a little, like, melodramatic. Yeah. Because when you really look into it, like, the the specific disappearances that make it called the Bridgewater Triangle only happened for five years, mm. 1945 to 1950. Yeah. And there's been, like, some weird stuff since then, but, like, the bulk of the Bridgewater, or the Bennington Triangle occurred, you know, for five years in the 1940s. And right. Not a huge amount since then. No. And from what I read, like, there's supposedly, I think, like, I saw the word 30 or so disappearances tossed around, but... It doesn't seem like there's really any proof of a lot of those. Right. Like, there was a mention of, like, three hunters who went missing, but, like, there wasn't any sources for that. Right. So I think there's a lot of, like, rumored stuff, and who, like, some of that obviously could be true. Right. That people did disappear, but typically when people disappear, you know, something's done about it. The five disappearances we're going to talk about today are very, like, well-documented, well-known, and they're definitely, like, weird and mysterious. Yeah. So. All in different ways, too. So... Um, yeah, so this actual area, if you're familiar with Vermont, which I knew some of these names, but I don't, I've never like been to these places. I've driven through Bennington right. once Okay. on our epic road trip back from Cincinnati. Okay. That's what mom always talks about. We 
were going back through and we hadn't gone through Vermont on the way there, but we did on the way back because the GPS took us a weird way. And like, she woke up at two in the morning on the drive and we were like in Bennington and she was like, what the hell? <laughs> Where are we? So she spent a lot of time there when she was growing up. Um, so it's basically centered on Glastonbury Mountain, yep. which you're going to hear mentioned a bunch. And then it includes some or most of the area of the towns surrounding it, which is Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset. Yeah. I've heard of all of those, but I don't think I've maybe driven through Bennington, but I don't think yeah. I've been there for any extended period of time. No. And like, basically, yeah. So Bennington's right next to like the New York state line. And so like Woodford's east of it, Shaftesbury is north, and then Somerset is northeast. So they're kind of just right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the mountain is, like, less than 10 miles away from Bennington College, like, as the crow flies, but it takes, like, over an hour to actually get there because of how dense, like, the forest and the wilderness is. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Um, <clears throat> like you said, the area had initially been, like, a logging and charcoal settlement, but those industries kind of vanished. They tried to turn it into, like, a tourist attraction, which lasted for about a year, before massive erosion led to mudslides and the destruction of almost the entire infrastructure. Wow. So then the following year, Glastonbury was basically just no more. See, that sounds like some curse. Something yeah. is cursed there. Definitely, like, something's going on. Right. There were, like, three... In the 30s, there were only three residents left, and then by 1937, the state of Vermont disorganized it, returning it to the forest. Wow. That's an yeah. intense phrase. <laughs> it's creepy. Returned to the forest. Like, I just am imagining this being, like, a formal... Like, yeah. the forest is, like, we accept. Right. We will take it back. Which is freaky, because, like, maybe the forest did take it back. Yeah. It wanted it back. I think the forest did want it back. Yeah. And it got it back. Um, so you probably have some info about, like, the background as far as, like, what the Native Americans felt about the area. Yeah, so there's a ton. Of, it was the Algonquin Native American tribe that lived in the area. Um, there was a lot of just general, like, mistrust of the area. And, like, it was... In informal, like, just don't go there. Mm. Like, you don't need to go there. Um, we'll get into some of, like, the more interesting, like, legends about, like, creatures and certain things that may live in that area. Yeah. Um, one of which is a, a man-eating stone. Yeah. Which is a wild thing I've literally never heard of before. Never heard of that. So we'll, we'll get into that towards the end of it yep. when it, we get to, like, our theories. But um, it was just generally this area was just sort of, like... Um, held by Native Americans to be, like, a, a, a place that you don't really go. Mm. You stay away from Glastonbury Mountain. Yep. So, yeah, I, I heard it mentioned that they really avoided it except as a site to bury the dead. Right. Which does seem odd if you think the site is cursed. I mean, maybe our Western perception of being cursed is different than just having, like, don't go there for fun, mm. but go there to bury your dead because it's you know, the idea of, like, a, a thin place where yeah. the, um, you know, our world and the next world, sort of, like, the, the barrier between the two is, like, the thinnest. Yep. So if you hang around there and just fuck around, then you're going to, like, get some... You're going to fall some, through the veil. Yeah, some dark energy is going to come yeah. out of there. Some but if you go there with reverence and you just bury your dead there as a way to bring their spirits closer to whatever yeah. your conception of the next world is, then, that makes sense. you know, they accept the... You know, they accept you coming in there with right. reverence. Hmm. That's kind of how I always think it's about interesting. it. interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I thought that was, like, kind of a weird... When I was reading about it, I'm like, huh, like, why would they bring their dead to a place? But, yeah, maybe it wasn't so much they thought it was... Cur well, there was some... And I think the problem with a lot of these stories is that there's, like, all these different sources. Mm -hmm. And, obviously, 
when we're talking about Native American tribes that lived there, I mean, we're talking so far back that there's not, like, Written obviously record. news articles or anything about this. So right. it's, like, passed along in stories. So there were some mentions of, like, demons, but then there were some mentions of just um, the convergence of the four winds. Right. Was an interesting thing to read about that, like, wind patterns having an impact on the environment and when there's not this, like, definitive wind pattern, then you kind of don't have those natural markers that you would. So it was interesting to see that that was potentially one of the reasons why it can be easy to get lost in that area. Right. Because you're kind of not having, which I didn't even think about, that, you know, the way the vegetation slants or it mentioned, like, the shape that ice flows would take over time could kind of give you an idea of the way the wind blows, which I guess I still don't really understand how that helps directionally unless like is wind supposed to blow in a certain direction now i'm confused yeah me too i guess maybe if you were like an experienced like hiker or backpacker you would understand like oh like this area the wind flows I don't know, north right. to south or east to west or something it would give you a direction of where you're walking that's true um but yeah that's a that's a good question yeah actually like put a put a pin in the idea of like air currents too the air currents mm. around here being weird because i have oh Something to talk about later with when it comes to potential creatures that may live in the area. Interesting. So that doesn't even sound familiar based on my research. So I'm Interesting. Excited. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. So there, numerous hikers and hunters like in the modern era have corroborated this fact that like it's easy to get lost on, and so it's kind of a place even now to avoid. Right. So that could have been part of why the Native Americans avoided it as well. Like there were maybe some that thought it, but maybe part of why they thought it was cursed is because people would go there and get lost. Right. Even back in the day. Yeah. So. So, like you said, the biggest mysteries surrounding this area are those five disappearances. Between 1945 and 1950. Yep. So, the first, November 12th, 1945. Yep. 74-year-old Mitty Rivers. Mitty Rivers. Which is a great name. It is a great name. Um, disappeared while out hunting. Interesting. 74-year-old woman in the woods hunting. I thought it was a woman, too, but it was a dude. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know. I don't know why I read it and I was like typing up my notes, and I kept referring to she, and then at some point in the thing I was reading, it said he, and I was like, whoa, huh. 74-year-old, yeah. Midi. I guess Mitty just sounds like a like, a, a like an old grandmother I know. to me. I know, which, yeah, it, I, it conjured that exact image. I was like, aw, 74-year-old grandma, like, <laughs> yeah. out hunting. But, no, some dude guiding a group of four other hunters yep. up the mountains. On the way back, he got ahead of the group and was never seen again. Which is wild that he was with four people. Yeah. And, like, was able to disappear while he was with four people. Like, exactly. How fast was he hiking ahead of them to be, like, completely lost? I know. So, he's, yeah, he's guiding them up the mountain. Yeah. And... Yeah, he's a very experienced, like, hunter and fisher. Yeah. It said that he knew the area very well. Yeah. Um, an extensive search was conducted, including, like, more than 300 concerned locals and U.S. Army soldiers. Jeez. From, like, a nearby um, Fort Devens in Massachusetts. But all they found was that single rifle cartridge found in a stream. And it looked like maybe he had, like, bent over to, like, get a drink of water from the stream and it, like, fell out of his pocket. Yeah. And that's it. And, yeah, again, like, with him being with four people, even if he had gotten ahead of them, you'd think that, like, they would at least have, they would have known the pretty general area where he had disappeared. Right. Like, he couldn't have been that far ahead if he was guiding them. Right. And then all of a sudden he's just gone. Right. It's super weird. So... Yeah, so he's just gone, vanished without a trace. Yeah, so this was the what is referred to as like the Long Trail Road area, yep. or Long Trail area, which again, you'll hear again. Right. Um, so, second disappearance. Yeah. About a year later, December 1st. My birthday. Your birthday, 1946, 18-year-old Paula Weldon. 
Yep. Which is apparently one of like the best known disappearances in Vermont. Yes. Which was interesting to hear. All roads lead back to Palo Weldon. Yep. Um, went out for a hike on the long trail. Yep. Yep. Coming up again. A lot of people saw her go. Um, some guy that was like a Bennington Banner employee gave her directions. She was seen on the trail by an elderly couple who were like only a hundred yards behind her. Yep. Who noted that she was wearing red. Interesting. That'll come up again. That will come up. Um, she turned, basically they said she turned a corner and when they reached the same corner, she was just gone. Right. And again, wearing red, mm -hmm. it was said that this particular part of like this trail was very easy. It was yeah. not a, I mean, this old elderly couple were walking along it. So it wasn't like some right. intense hike, but she was just gone. Vanished without a trace as well. Yeah. Nobody ever found. No. Um, yeah, she didn't return to her college campus. So this was, I guess this was, um, during like Thanksgiving break, I think it said. She was just going for, like, a casual little day hike. Mm -hmm. Gone. So there's some theories that she moved to Canada to marry her secret lover. Yep. Or maybe, like, moved into the mountains and became a recluse. Which seems really odd. That is, like, was that, like, part of her character? Like, I know. Oh, like, classic Paula. Like, classic just Paula. moving into the woods became and becoming a recluse. a recluse. Like, that just, that just seemed like a weird explanation. I thought that seemed like a reach. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there was, like, a $5,000 reward offer. The FBI helped. There was nothing. Yeah. Um, weird. Yeah, I guess a bunch of people, including her father, criticized the... So at the time, it, like, it was just local sheriffs that handled this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they called in help from, like, Massachusetts and Connecticut to aid in the search. And, like, her dad and a bunch of other people were like, this was handled badly. So this was actually the catalyst for the founding of the Vermont State Police. Oh, interesting. Seven months later. And the case is still open. Hmm. So, Paula Weldon. Still get that $5,000 reward. You can still get that. I don't know how much money that was in, you know, mid-1940s, but... Probably a decent amount of money. Decent chunk. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was number two. Year after the first. Yep. Then we got three years exactly. Yep. To December 1st, your birthday. 1949. Super weird. <laughs> Super weird. This, to me, is the weirdest one. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is wild. Like, hmm. I don't even understand. Like, so, okay. So, James Tedford... Mm-hmm. He was traveling on a bus coming home from visiting family. Yeah. So he was coming home to Bennington from St. Albans yep. in Vermont. So he was on the bus coming from St. Albans. Um, somewhere between the last stop of the bus and Bennington, he was seen on the bus after the last stop. But when the bus arrived in Bennington, he was just gone. Gone. But his... Luggage was still in the rack. Yep. And there was a, a bus schedule on the seat that he was sitting in. Yeah. But he was just gone. And his luggage included, like, his wallet with yeah. cash in it. How the fuck do you disappear on a bus? On a bus. And how did somebody see him after the last stop but not see him, like, what, like, how do you even, how would you even get out of a bus? Yeah. Like, you could you, like, jump out a window or, like... Right? Because my thought, too, was, like, how did somebody not notice him, like, even disappear? But I think one of the things I read said that the bus only had, like, 14 passengers on it. Okay. So, which presumably, like, I imagine, again, this is, like, people are getting off at different stops, so maybe it was, like, diminished by that point. Right. So I'm thinking maybe he was, like, in a window seat alone, nobody was across from him. But, yeah, like, how do you, like, right. even the driver said that he saw him. Right. After that last stop. So how, like, like just physically, how did he get out of that bus? Yeah. And why did he get out of that bus without his luggage? Yeah, without anything. 
Yeah, that's, that's the weirdest a, one to me. That's I mean, a wild one. all of the other ones, you can. There's like ten different theories of what could happen, but like I got nothing for that. No, I really don't. And when it comes to like a lot of like the explanation, my potential explanations, like there's one that's just kind of like a general reach one, but I have mm. I baffled. Yeah, I got nothing. Baffled by that. So, yeah. So that was number three in 1949. 1949. So less than a year later, October 12th, 1950, um, eight-year-old Paul Jepson was with his mom in the truck. Yep. Actually, reading this name, there were, like, several sources. One said Jepson, and then some said Jefson, like J-E-P-H. Yeah, I have that one. Yeah, the I found H. that a few places, and then I found Jepson a few places, so... Interesting. Don't know. But he was with his mom in a truck. Apparently, his parents, like, would go to this... It described it as, like, a dump. They would yeah. go there and, like, feed the pigs. Yeah, I wasn't confused. 100% clear on what was going on there. No. So, but she was feeding some pigs... Apparently, he was in the truck for, like, an hour. Right, which seemed like a long fucking time long to not time. check on your eight-year-old child. I know. Like, just in the truck. And why wasn't he just, like, out? Why wasn't he helping Feed his mom? Things, right. I don't know. But he was in the truck. She comes back. He's gone. Search parties. Didn't find anything. He was also wearing a red jacket. Yes. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and according to one story, bloodhounds tracked his scent very excitedly to a local highway. Yep where it just dead-ended, and that was also where Paula Weldon had disappeared. All roads lead back to Paula Weldon. Which is creepy. It is creepy. Um, she was also wearing red, right? Yeah, she was also wearing red. Supposedly, everybody that went missing was wearing red. Right, I could see, like, the, the Hunter Mini Rivers, I'm sure, like, one of those, like, black and red checkered, like, hunting jackets. Oh, yeah. That's, that was the first thing I pictured. Mm-hmm. James Tedford, there wasn't specific information about what he was wearing, but, yeah, supposedly red. Yeah. Yeah, everybody was wearing red. Um, yeah, some suggested that he met an early demise at the hands of his parents, and then they fed him to the pigs. Wow. So, but the creepiest part, the Paul Jepson's father told the Albany Times Union that it was perhaps, quote, the lure of the mountains that pulled in his missing son as the boy had, quote, talked of nothing else for days prior to his disappearance. That's fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. That wow. was, like, not in the first few things that I read, and then I finally found an article that mentioned that, and I was like, why didn't the rest of you talk about that? Right. It was the creepiest part. That's wild. Yeah, so this kid's just talk, like just going on and on about these mountains, and then he disappears. The call of the mountains. Yeah. Wait, the lure of the mountains? The lure of the mountains. Wow. What the fuck? Yeah. So there's some, there's some kind of weird energy around these mountains. Yeah. Or this mountain specifically, Glastonbury. Yeah. Hmm. So, and then that leads us to disappearance number five. The last of the series. The last. Only, what, a couple weeks after that one? 16 days later. Wow. Um, yeah. 53-year-old Frida Langer? Sure. Langer? Langer? I'd, Don't I'd go with Langer. Langer, yeah. Okay. Um, experienced hiker and survivalist. Yeah. Familiar with the area. As a lot of these people were. Yeah. Camping with her cousin. Yep. Um... Yeah, Herbert Elsner. They left their family campsite near the Somerset Reservoir to go on their own little hike. Yep. Get like half a mile in. She slips and falls into a stream. Classic Frida. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> like you do. She was like, hey, just wait here. I'll just run back real quick and change my clothes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't come back. He goes back to the campsite to be like, what the fuck? Yep. She's not there. She never made it there. I guess her husband was back there. He had like injured his leg or something. But yeah, he was like, nope, she never came back. She yeah. never went back to, like, half a mile in right. between these two things. That's She's not very far. Familiar with the area, mm-hmm. hiker, survivalist, didn't make it a half mile. Right. Um, yeah. So, again, they did five searches over two weeks. Yep. With, like, like massive 400 search. people, helicopters, aircraft, no trace, except yes. 
she's the only person whose body they found. Yes, they did. But is, not until 1951. Yeah, seven months later. Seven months later, they were... Who found it? Um, I don't know. Actually, I didn't read how, like, must not have been a search because they wouldn't have still been searching. Right. So somebody must have just stumbled upon her body. But they found the body mm. in a, like, a stream or a river. Yeah. And it was a section of that stream or river that had been extensively searched yep. during that initial two-week search. Yeah. And it was apparently a pretty open area, too. Yeah. So I don't know how busy these, like, trails and mountains were with hikers, but you would think, like, where did she wind up for all that time? Right. And then was just, like, plopped back there right. seven months later. And there was no cause of death could be determined because nope. she was so degraded. Yeah. Just fucked up. And it was, like, 1950, so I'm sure they didn't have great, like, forensics. <laughs> nope. They were just like, eh, yeah. don't know. So, yeah. So, weirdly, yeah, the only person that they found, but even then, finding her body was still suspicious because... Yeah, they had searched that area extensively yeah. first. They wouldn't have missed her there. And, again, if people were hiking along that area, if it was, like, an open area, people wouldn't have just missed her all that time for seven months. Right. Nobody saw her. So, like, it just feels weird that she, I don't know, got taken, killed, who knows, and then returned back, like, right around where she was. Right. Creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. So, yeah, these are, like, the five disappearances that kind of gave the Bennington Triangle its name. Hmm. And the reputation for being a an area where people disappear. Yeah. It's interesting. I think the two creepiest ones for me are James Tedford mm. on the bus disappearing. Yeah. yeah. And that Frida Langer, like her body, like turning up where it should have been. And her yeah. disappearing like a half mile away from her, like in the distance between her husband and her cousin. Right. Half mile, like not that far. Not that far. It's wild. And yeah. I mean, Paul Jepsen too, like... He, the lure of the mountain. Yeah. Each one of these disappearances has, like, some, like one little creepy detail that you're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Like, this could just be a simple thing. Like, even the um, Paula Weldon going missing. Like, the one odd thing about her was that people had said that, um, I mean, yeah, that was December 1st. We live in New England. We know what the weather's like in December. It's not warm. No. And apparently, you know, she left kind of in the afternoon, and she wasn't really dressed for what she should have been, if, even if she was going on, like, a casual hike. Right. Um, so it seemed odd that she had kind of gone off unprepared in that way. Right. Again, not going for a massive hike, but still, like, even if you were just going th for a walk through the woods, you wouldn't wear, like, a light freezing. coat. Yeah. Right. So, there's weird shit about all of them. Yeah. And all very different and, I don't know, creepy. Super creepy. Super creepy. So, on top of the disappearances, the Bennington Triangle has also been, like, a weird hotspot in general. Yeah. Um, in 1867... Numerous residents were reporting some type of person or creature. Yes. Known as the Glastonbury Wild Man. Yeah. That would uh, descend from his cave dwellings near Somerset and terrorize the women of Bennington and Glastonbury by pulling back his coat and exposing his entirely naked body. Wow. With a pistol. So, so many questions. <laughs> yeah. So I, this was, like this isn't even like supernatural. No. This is just like just some weirdo. weird dude. Like, yeah. Some wild man Some living flasher. in the fucking caves up there. Like, yeah. what the hell is that? Why is he living in the caves? Because, like, I don't know. You're, you've gone wild. You've, like, gone wild in the woods yeah. of Vermont. He's the wild man. Yeah. Yeah, so he was just flashing people with a pistol. I guess, like, right. two, so he, like had two pistols. A, so he had access to, like... <laughs> he had so access sorry. to, like, a pistol. Yeah, he had a weapon in and, the like, caves. And, like, enough, like, sense to, like, go live in a cave, but, like, would just come and, like, flash people. Yeah. Just why, why is that weird, urge striking you? It's a weird detail there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a weird murder a 
time after that, 1892. Yep. Did you read about this one? No. Uh, Henry McDowell murdered John Crawley by beating him in the skull with a rock until it shattered. Jesus. Now, my question there is, did the skull shatter or the rock? Gee, I hope it was the skull because it, it shattered skull. a rock. I That's didn't intense. realize that I had that question until I just said it. <laughs> Like, wait a minute. Because one of those is worse. If he beat his skull with the rock until the rock shattered, that's worse. Right. Like, dude, like, relax. Relax. He's dead. Yeah, he's way dead. Um, he fled, went to Connecticut. He immediately turned himself in to authorities and confessed, which was, like, part testimony to the murder and selling what happened and part him just rambling about demonic voices that spoke incessantly in his head and drove him to murder Crawley. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he was committed to the Vermont State Asylum once they obviously deemed him legally insane, and but he escaped pretty shortly after and was never seen again. Freaky. Maybe he yeah. was the wild man. No, that was significantly after. It was, yeah. It was after. So some people thought that he lived out his days in the wilderness, and some people think he still lives in the wilderness Ooh. at, like, you know, however old he would be now. Right. Like 100 years old. Very old. So... Huh. Yeah, so there's that dude. Demonic voices. Yeah, demonic voices. Maybe it was the, the lure of the mountain. Yeah. Driving people crazy. That's freaky. Yeah, that was like one of the general things that I read that didn't always have stories to go with it, but just talking about people going insane, being driven to madness yeah. in the area. So That's wild. Some weird shit going on. I didn't um, find a ton of information about this one, but there's the, the Bennington monster. Yeah. Do you read about that? Mm-hmm. He was like a, a Bigfoot-like creature that was spotted like in the 1800s. They found, wait, the ni- 19th century? Yes. The 1800s? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the early 1800s, mm. um, they found like big footprints in the area of Bennington. Creepy. Um, and then various people throughout time saw a stocky, hairy creature Ew. that was like a small Bigfoot, basically. Oh. Interesting. Or like a Bigfoot-like creature where he's all hairy and, you know, there weren't any like, really like, it was mostly just sightings. There weren't any like, oh, like this person was like murdered by Bigfoot or anything. Yeah. But that's supposedly living in or around Bennington. Creepy. Right? Yeah. There was some story about um, him attacking a stagecoach passing through Woodford on present day Route 9. Oh, wow. Which is also near where, is that right. near where Paula Weldon went missing? Um, Mitty Rivers went missing right on Vermont Route 9. That's right. Route 9 is is significant. Yeah, it was like a rainstorm. It was knocked over. The passengers were, like, stranded in the darkness. The driver, for some reason, like, saw the footsteps and followed them. And then, like, it wasn't until his lamp or whatever, like, lit up this pair of yellow eyes, which then, like, roared at him Hmm. and then ran away. But, yeah, he said it was, like, eight feet tall and covered in hair. Yeah. I wonder how that fits with, like, various Bigfoot sightings, you know? I know. Is that just like standard like Bigfoot? Bigfoot? Or is that like this own its own sort of like offshoot of Bigfoot? Right. Sounds like pretty similar. Yeah. It would match up that like nobody had been I mean, they were attacked, but who knows why? Right. What if they just happened to be going on the road and he happened to be crossing the road and then they came out of nowhere and he was like, Jesus. What the fuck? And him attacking was really just him like running into it by accident. Because like, it's, it's dark here. and it's raining. <laughs> He's like, shit, guys. <laughs> came out of nowhere, which can't really imagine a stagecoach like coming out of nowhere, but I mean, like not like they can do that can fast. Haul ass, you know? You think? I don't know. I wonder how fast hmm. a stagecoach can go. I don't know. It's sad to think that I'll never ride in a stagecoach. Yeah. You know? I mean, you probably could somewhere. I could. Yeah, I'm sure there's some place. I feel like it could be nice. I don't think that'd be like that smooth of a ride. No. I always feel bad for the horses too. Yeah. They don't want to do that. I know. I can't. They deal just want to run like, free. Yeah, the horses like with the stagecoach or even just being ridden by people. Mm-hmm. Like they don't. 
like really want to do that, right? City horses in Central Park? Yeah. Oh, that hurts my soul. Yeah, it's awful. We watched um, <laughs> Robin Hood, the Robin Hood with Kevin Costner recently and like throughout the whole movie like they're riding horses and stuff and i'm just like dude they don't want to do that they don't want to do that they're like wild stallions they just want to yeah. go run in the woods they're getting stabbed and stuff like in battle by accident i'm oh, like yeah they didn't ask for this like so. that movie like the movie braveheart yeah so much horse death in that movie yeah it's terrible. horse death all over the place yeah i can't handle seeing horses like get hit by spears and falling over like they're such awkward animals too and you're just like oh, oh. like you fall over so weirdly you're just like a tree that just crashed down oh yeah Anyways. So, anyway, horse detour. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, so there's that guy. Um, there was another weird murder, assuming it was a murder. Um, 1897, John Harbour in Waterbury, out hunting with his brother and a friend. They were a bit away from him, and they heard a single gunshot, and then they heard him yell that he was shot. So they go to look for him, but they couldn't find him until like late the next morning. Hmm. It's like 11 a.m. This was November. All of these weird fucking things happening in, like, the last few months of the year. It's yeah. odd. Like, none of this stuff is happening in the spring or the summer. Um, yeah, they found his body beneath a fallen cedar tree, his legs splayed, his rifle fully loaded next to him. Hmm. And weirdly enough, his corpse, like, there was a big pool of blood several yards away from where his corpse was. So it was like he had been shot and died, but then moved, oddly. Weird. And he didn't fire his gun, so... Somebody shot him and then, I don't know, That's moved weird. his body after he died. I don't even know. Under a tree? Yeah. So <laughs> the case was never solved. So that was just some some weird shit. Interesting. Yeah. Just to add to the pile of weird shit. Right. The pile of weird shit. Yeah. Which brings us to the man-eating stone. Yeah. So this was weird. I don't think I've ever heard of another like folkloric legend like this. No. Where, like according to Native American myth... There was a big stone that you could stand on, and as you were standing on it, it would essentially, like, liquefy or partially liquefy, and you would, like, fall into it almost like quicksand, and Mm. it would just suck you in and would, like, consume you, and you would just be gone. And so, like, the Native American myth was like, dude, don't stand on any stones around Glastonbury Mountain. Huh. Weird. Super weird. Yeah. So there's, like, a theory that, like, some of these people may have been pulled. Like, what what if it's something sort of like, um... Like a Venus flytrap or mm. um, like one of those like pitcher plants where it like lures its prey onto it with like pheromones or some sort of something yeah. like lures it on. And then you stand on the stone and it just like eats you. And then you're gone. That's maybe that was a lure of the mountain. Oh, creepy. And what if that stone isn't just a single singular stone? What yeah. if it's part of the mountain itself? Oh, creepy. So that's like it's little like feeding. Yeah. Like mouth. Because they're all disappearing in the same areas. Right. So maybe the lure of the mountain is the mountain itself luring you to this, its mouth, which is this Ew. weird stone that can consume you. That's creepy. Super weird. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Ne- like nothing even close. No. Ugh. No. I don't like that. No. 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 There's a lot of supposed UFO sightings. Yeah. I didn't find any like actual stories per se about that. Right. But it was just mentioned. Um, and like a lot of people supposedly have seen like column or silo like lights while hiking Hmm. as recently as like the mid 80s interesting yeah that was that was my only like sort of like hail mary explanation for the guy who disappeared on the bus yeah was um i don't know alien abduction yeah you know you could just like just beam him out of the bus at some point or maybe you know the whole idea of like missing time they like stopped time for a second went on the bus grabbed him started time up again and everybody on the bus was unaware right 
that's the only thing I could think of. And yeah. even that's kind of a stretch. It's kind of a stretch. Just just kind of a stretch. Just, yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, we believe that stuff, so it's not that much of a stretch, but right. it's up there. Yeah, no, there's obviously Bigfoot sightings. Um, it said early loggers and settlers were startled by strange lights in the skies. Mm-hmm. So matching up with more UFO stuff. Um, there was a guy even like in the early 2000s, in 2003, that was driving near the mountain when he spotted a, quote, black thing near the road. Yes. That was... Covered in black hair and well over six feet tall. I think that was the Bennington monster. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Apparently, like, several other people reported similar sightings around that time. Which seems like it's distinct from, like, a Bigfoot sighting. Yeah. Because it's, like, got black fur and it's just seems like its own. Like, they they didn't describe it as a Bigfoot. They described it as, like, this thing or, like, this monster or whatever. Which is weird because, especially, like, in the 2000s and stuff, like, people know of Bigfoot. That would be your cultural touchstone to go to. You wouldn't, like, make up a new right. taxonomy for this thing that you saw unless it was distinct from your idea of what a Bigfoot looks like. Right. Which Interesting. Yeah. Don't know what he was doing by the side of the road, but you know, chilling. Just hanging out. Don't ask questions. Um, there was a guy in 2008 who got lost in the Bennington Triangle but lived to tell the tale. Wow. Yeah. He went out for a day hike. Off of Harbor Road in Woodford Hollow, the exact same place where Paula Weldon was last seen. Shit. Yeah. Um, he, like, ate lunch on top of Bald Mountain, walked back towards Glastonbury, and then he was heading back towards his car, which, like, should have been three miles tops, but he, like, hiked four or five miles hmm. and, like, wasn't at his car at all. He was confused. Um, he said that he swears he was walking on the right trail, which, like, obviously, who knows? Right. Um... Fog rolled in, started getting dark. Of course, like, his headlamp was broken, and he had no compass, GPS, map, or even a watch. Way to go, dude. What the hell, dude? Um, so he couldn't locate the trail, but he was said he was oddly drawn to this large maple tree where he kind of, like, went and hung out. Hmm. He said, um, quote, it was really expelling a sort of, I don't know, a really weird haunting energy. So he went and hung out by this tree. That's freaky. Yeah. He was an experienced hiker, which... I mean, he didn't have a compass or a GPS. So I'm not really sure about like, that. But I don't need a compass. I'm experienced. <laughs> yeah, I know this mountain. Yeah. Um, so he tried to get some rest, but it was too cold and wet, so he made a fire. Figured, like, once the sun comes up, I'll find my way back. Like, no problem. Um, when he did try to make his way back to his car in the daylight, he, again, like, probably hiked another three or four miles, which he estimated would have been maybe, like, a half mile at the most back right. to his car. He reached a wilderness sign telling him that he was almost at the peak of the mountain. So he was just, like, all turned around. He said it didn't make any sense at all that he ended up, like, six or seven miles from his car rather than the quarter mile that he thought. Yeah, that's weird. So he was just all messed up. Um, he said he started walking back because then he was like, okay, I know I'm going in the totally wrong direction. He passed that same maple tree, so it was, like, the area he had just been in the night before. Yeah. And he said that it, the trail seemed completely foreign. Like, there were trees down and all kinds of stuff that he just hadn't seen the night before that he would have noticed. Because right. he had been in that area before it started getting dark. So it's not hmm. like he was just wandering around in the nighttime. Right. Um, so he was finally found that morning. And he said before he had lost the trail, quote, everything like crescendoed into this weird sort of dizzying confusion. It just suddenly got dark. And then it was like, where am I? What's going on? I was totally lost. Which kind of freaked me out. Just that he supposedly experienced hiker, like knew the area. Yeah. And all of a sudden was just, you know, heading back to his car and was just struck with this... Panic? Yeah, this, like, weird confusion and panic and, like, didn't know what was going on all of a sudden. It sounds to me almost like a parallel universe. Mm. Like, maybe that's what's going on in the Bennington Triangle. Maybe it's yeah. a thin place 
we're going to get into parallel universes when we talk about um, Skinwalker Ranch. But yes. maybe this is sort of a similar thing where there was like a, you know, all of a sudden he was transported to another universe that looked very similar to ours but had a different geography. Yeah. And so he, he kept like kind of bouncing back up. and forth between the two of them. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, because he would like recognize stuff, but then he wouldn't, and then he would. And so, yeah, right. like, I can't imagine that feeling of like him getting that sign and being like, what the fuck? Like, I'm totally opposite where I'm supposed to be. Right. So, he's luckily, on they found a trail, him. too. Yeah, he's on a trail and said he knew where he was and knew that he had been on the right trail, but he like had no explanation for what happened. But was he from this universe? Exactly. Maybe he yeah. was rescued by people from our universe. Yeah. And he was really from the other universe. Yeah, we don't know if the correct dude came back. Right. Which That's is creepy to think freaky. about. And then the last weird thing that I found was um, in 2018, last year, a twin-engine plane mysteriously went down in the woods on Bald Mountain. Wow. Same mountain. About three miles off Route 9. Pilot had like six years of experience. They said weather wasn't a factor. He was dead. And they couldn't find out what caused it to crash. Hmm. But it was just weird. That and he wasn't like aiming to land in that area, so it's not like he was like close to where he was going. Like I think he was just flying over, yeah. going somewhere else. So it was just odd that like he kind of got caught in this. I don't know. The call of the mountain. Yeah, and the like plane went mountain. down, and then boom, and you can't even ask him what the hell happened. Wow. Because he's dead. That's freaky. Yeah. So yeah, so theories. Theories. The fuck is going on? So Bang obviously, him. there's aliens. There's aliens. That's always one. One possibility. These people could have been abducted. Yep. They could have abducted um, Frida Langer, the very last person to be found. They could have abducted her, did experiments on her, yep. dumped her back where they found her, and that's why she was gone when they did the initial search, but yep. her body was found later. That would kind of make sense. Yep. Why were the other ones never found? They could have just dumped them who knows where in the woods and right. they just you know, naturally deteriorated. It's thick wilderness, man. Right. So that would make sense for the guy on the bus. Yep. Yep. The guy on the bus was just like abducted or yep. somehow taken from the bus by aliens. Could like almost make sense for the kid too, even with the kid talking about like the woods or the mountains or whatever. Just there have obviously been cases where people have been visited by aliens more than once, mm -hmm. especially being a kid. Right. I mean, if those people didn't suspect that he was abducted, which why would you unless you were into that? Right. Um, so, like, what if he had told his parents or maybe just said some weird things that didn't make sense because he had been visited by aliens or abducted right. by aliens before? He was abducted and they flew through the mountains. And so he had these weird fever dream memories of yeah. being in a UFO flying through the green mountains. And yep. so he kept thinking about them and talking about them. It's just like in The X-Files when those people are, like, drawn to that specific mountain because that's where the aliens are going to come and get them. Oh, and, like, yeah. those are people that had been abducted in the past that, like, yep. they were essentially... Programmed. Not so much programmed, but yeah, kind of like they had like a homing device type of situation, like yeah. that little thing in the back of their neck to yeah. kind of tell them like, go here. It's almost like, like animals that like return to the same spot to like, like lay their eggs or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of the same idea. Yeah. So maybe that kid like knew he had to get back there. Maybe that was true for all, like the girl, Paula Weldon. Mm -hmm. Maybe she was, you know, that's why she was walking through the woods, not properly dressed because she wasn't really planning on going for a hike and coming back. She just felt like she needed to. Yeah. go to the mountain at that time the mountain was luring her there yeah she just needed to go and that could have been yeah for the last woman frida like maybe she just had i don't know like somewhere on her walk back to the camp like just had this moment of like fuck i gotta go right and it was just weird timing and she was like you know a quarter of a mile back to the camp and then she just like veered off the path and yep. went gone yeah that or, could be the same for the hunter too he right. got up ahead of his group yeah who knows why he and just then started all of a sudden hiking faster and faster because he just needed to get to where he was going yeah <sighs> 
I like this theory. That's uh, honestly, this is making a lot of sense. Huh. I didn't think I was going to like, I thought that was just like, yep, aliens. Mm -hmm. But that's a pretty good theory. Because aliens are kind of like the deus ex machina of all like conspiracies and like yeah. weird disappearances. It's just, oh, fucking aliens. Literally a theory for everything. But in this case, I think it answers a lot of questions. Yeah. Or my other theory that answers a lot of questions would be the um, alternate universe yeah. theory. It would explain the regular disappearances. You know, you're just walking on this pit, this path and then all of a sudden you shift into another universe or the universe shifts around you mm -hmm. and pulls you into it. And then you either live the rest of your life in that other universe or you die in some way and your body is laying in the other universe, not in our universe. Yep. Um, the guy on the bus all of a sudden he just you know he's on that bus in another universe or he just like rolls on the street in yep. the other universe and he like dies just there gone frida langer she could have died and she could have been laying in that stream in the other universe and then it kind of like like shifts away from her body and then her body ends up back in the stream in like yep. our universe right it's kind of similar to the alien theory but like yeah no that was i was reading about um john keel's Yep. Again, the author of the Mothman Prophecies. Oh, yeah. Legend. Yeah, the legend. Um, <laughs> he had, yeah, the window area concept, which is basically, or also called zones of fear. Again, <laughs> I, I like window area better, I think, than zones of fear. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically just where, like, certain places and regions are thin and kind of porous between yeah. our universe and all these others. So people are just kind of, like, falling through. And he thought that part of that was because of um, local geomagnetic factors. Interesting. He said, the Earth's magnetic field is probably the culprit in many cases of seemingly inexplicable phenomena. Our planet is pockmarked with magnetic anomalies and aberrations. Yeah. So he just thought that there were areas that just were like that. Yeah. Just really thin. Which again, and that was his explanation for the Mothman. Yep. Just being like, and his, I mean, this dude was awesome. Because he oh, totally yeah. thought that like most of the weird shit in our world is because of this type of thing. Yeah. And that not like not even that he thought that these creatures like Mothman and Bigfoot and stuff are coming through accidentally, but that they're like tricksters and that they're just like, woo, like coming through and fucking like, around. hey, yeah, fucking around and then going back. Yeah. And so he kind of thought that same process could apply for these people more accidentally. Like they're just like, whoops. Yeah. yeah, you just are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Almost like if you think of it like a fog, how like you're just walking and then all of a sudden a fog just like rolls around you. Yeah. And like you're all of a sudden like, it, it, like if the fog was the alternate universe, the alternate dimension, all of a sudden you're enveloped in this other dimension. Yep. And then like the fog recedes and moves away from you and then you're back in our dimension. Yeah. That's how I think of it. It's creepy. It's freaky to think about and it would explain a lot of paranormal and cryptozoological yeah. concepts because it explains all of the i mean i don't know that that particular theory necessarily explains like you know that weird wild man or even the demonic voices for like that murder right but like that dude who got shot like what if somebody slipped back into the universe or slipped into our universe and shot him somehow got no confrontation with him and then shot him and then like slipped back mm -hmm. or that could explain the the bennington monster yeah that could explain the ufos and the weird lights and all that shit. So. But not the man-eating stone. No, not the stone. That's a weird one. Yeah, that's a really weird one. It's kind of its own its own thing. Yeah. I mean, and it's kind of, again, like, we'll talk about it more with Skinwalker Ranch, but kind of the idea that there are just places that are, like, a hub for this weird shit. Yeah. For whatever reason, there's just, yeah, like, there's, it's a thin area, and there's something about, I mean, that could also be the geomagnetic factors. Like, that can 
affect potentially your mental state and your brain. So like the idea of people like are going crazy. Ley lines and stuff, yeah. like where they kind of coincide with electromagnetic anomalies. Yep. Or like these like striations in the Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. So. So it, there's just all kinds of weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. like we've talked about so many like UFOs, cryptozoological animals. Yeah. Like man-eating stones, whatever you classify <laughs> that as. Can't even like demonic don't voices. Even know. Yeah, demonic voices. Unsolved murders. Yep. It's got it all. Yeah, it's got everything. So, and my other one random thing was uh, Shirley Jackson, who wrote The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. She was inspired to write that and some of her other stories while living in Bennington. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I actually just recently watched the uh, the TV show that they did for that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Was that on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, we watched some of that. It was. I liked it. Yeah. I admittedly have not read the book, so I don't know how accurate it is. Right. But I enjoyed it. Interesting. It was scary. So one little random, like maybe coincidence, maybe not that yeah. I have. So okay, the disappearances, the five disappearances that we talked about: mm. 1945, 1946, 1949, 1950, 1950. Mm. So very consistent in 1945 and 1946, and then 49 through 50. Yeah. There's a two-year gap, 1947 and 1948. Yeah. So, Alistair Crowley died. December 1st, 1947. Oh, shit. In Hastings, England. Oh, shit. So, we talked about before with, what was it, um, was it Kenneth Arnold? His uh, UFO sightings that happened in, it was in um, Oregon and Washington. Yeah. Um, I would be very curious to see how those line up with where we are in Vermont. Oh, yeah. Because imagine, okay, imagine there's some sort of alien presence that Aleister Crowley contacted back in 1917 yes I'm a working and then that presence is sort of looking for Crowley or like wants to like bring him into the ship or whatever mm. so this presence is in Vermont in 1945 and 1946 and ducks those two people Mitty Rivers and Paula Weldon yep then there's a two-year gap where there's no disappearances and during that two-year gap is when Crowley died in Hastings England Yep. So maybe that presence then shifted its focus from Vermont back over the pond to where Aleister Crowley was and went over there for a while and focused its attention in England Yeah. and then focused its attention back on this area of Bennington, Vermont in 1949 and 1950. Shit. That two-year gap is just a weird thing to me. And in yeah. that two-year gap, Aleister Crowley died on December 1st, right. 1947. Very significant date. Two of those people also disappeared December 1st. Yeah. Fucking weird. I thought that was weird, like, because I kept seeing December 1st, and I was like, why does that name, why does that stick out to me other yeah. than my birthday? And it was... Other than my birthday. Aleister Crowley. No big deal. Oh, definitely. I can't, I'm trying to remember now when, like, when those Washington sightings were. Because that was in the mid-40s as well. Because I remember or, they kind of, like, tracked across the United States. Yeah. And I wonder, like, where they ended up. Oh, shit. Right? Maybe we'll have to update this episode in a few years and... I know. Or not a few years. Because I totally, like, had a map, too. And it's, like, somewhere, but I can't go right around for it right now. Yeah. But I I have it somewhere. So, more on that later. More on that later. Um, But, yeah, that's... Oh, wait. One more thing. One more thing. So, the only other, like, weird cryptozoological animal that I looked into that sort of could be a potential explanation for some of this. Do you read anything about Thunderbirds? I have heard of them. Yeah. So they are a concept in a lot of Native American legends yep. where they are 
sort of like a supernatural godlike being yep. that has certain powers or whatever. But in the cryptozoological community, they're more just giant birds kind of left over from like the time of dinosaurs. Mm. Um, there's some evidence in the fossil record that when early humans were walking the earth, there were giant predatory birds that also exist coexisted with humans. Jesus. So they think that some of those legends around the world about giant birds, like in Native American culture, um, were from actual sightings of actual giant predatory like eagles and stuff, essentially. Jesus. Um, so there's been a few sightings of thunderbirds... They call them Thunderbirds, but they're just giant birds. There's this one supposedly famous photograph of these two, like, dudes out in the middle of, um, like, the Wild West, essentially, that have this giant bird that they shot. Oh, shit. That's, like, way bigger than both of them. It has, like, a four-meter wingspan. Weird. Um, it's, Ooh. you know, up for debate whether or not it's real. Right. But um, John Keel. Yep. Okay. Off John of Keel. Mothman prophecies. Yeah, still man. coming up. <laughs> um, he tracked a bunch of Thunderbird sightings or, like, giant bird sightings. And he noticed that they coincided with various thunderstorms and <laughs> um, weather systems moving through various areas. Interesting. So his idea was that these birds are so large and it would require so many calories for them to flap their wings in order to fly that rather than exert that much energy, they coast around using air currents Whoa. that come with, you know, if you figure it could follow a storm system as it moved across the United States, it could essentially just coast on those um, you know, like how you see seagulls coasting just on the air currents or whatever. Yeah. They could just coast on those in order to conserve energy. This was John Keel's theory. So you brought up at the beginning of this episode that there's a weird sort of like weird air currents in this area. Yeah. Where they're, they're kind of like eddies where they just, they don't really go like east to west or north to south. They just kind of like just follow random patterns and almost not like circular, but they're they're sort of their own system yeah. within this Glastonbury mountain area. So what if there are Thunderbirds, which have been sighted in the area and are part of Algonquin Native American myth, Yep. like we talked about in the beginning. Um, so what if these giant birds exist there and they stay in this area because there's these weird air current patterns that allow them to just coast around Whoa. and they're picking these people off. Oh, shit. And so what if this Thunderbird picked off, you know, Frida Langer, for example, mm. picked her up and then, like, dropped her back in the area where she was because yeah. that's near where it has its nest or something. Oh, Jesus. So that was a weird, like, random little tangent that I went on, but I was like, that actually would kind of, kind of explain sense. almost everything except for um, James Tedford in the bus. Yeah, right, because I feel like people in the bus would have known a if giant. a giant bird, yeah. like, came in and got him. Right. Like, just grabbed him through the window and was like, see ya. Right. Fuck. But. I feel like it was also mentioned tangent. somewhere that, like, a Thunderbird was a potential explanation for the Mothman, mm -hmm. like, weirdly connecting everything. But because, I mean, it's the idea of a giant something flying through the air. Yeah. Could have been misidentified. Bird. Weird. There That's was crazy. A, like a, a supposedly one of the Thunderbirds that was caught in like the early 1800s in America was not caught, but shot and found looked <laughs> like a winged alligator. Ew. So it was almost like, like a dinosaur. Yeah. So it would be similar to the idea of what some people think Nessie is, where it's a leftover of like the Jurassic period. Yeah. Where it's just a leftover giant like, almost like a pterodactyl oh, that still exists somewhere. And I feel like if it was going to exist somewhere, the Green Mountains in Vermont would make a lot of sense. It's dense woods, not super explored, right. not super inhabited, big mountains and weather systems for them to coast on. Yep. 
as well as like big game for them to hunt and yeah. kill and eat. Right. Yeah. It's just like thick wilderness for them to kind of hide out in. Same reason why like Bigfoot hangs out in places like that. Right. Or and there's big been foots, big, big feet. Big feet. I'm gonna say Bigfoots. Bigfoots. And there's been several sightings of Thunderbirds in like mostly like the western Midwest, like mm. Illinois. Interesting. I guess huh. It's not western. Idaho like, is what I'm thinking of. Yes, okay. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Western Midwest. Western Midwest. Yeah. Freaky. So, yeah. Huh, yeah, I hadn't read anything about Thunderbirds. Maybe the maybe the answer is, you know, little bits of everything. Little bits of everything. Maybe one of them fell to the man-eating stone. Yeah. One of them was abducted by aliens. One of them was picked off by a Thunderbird. Yeah. One of them was communicated through by demons. Yeah. You know? Great. Just a little bit of everything. Yeah, so it's like a little mini Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Right. A little, like, way less creepy. Right. Because it's, like, the creepiest thing I think this world. is the first time we're alluding to Skinwalker Ranch this much, but... Yeah. <laughs> so but we've mentioned is... it several times, but, like, only, like, once here and there. Right. But this is, like, get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Get ready for Skinwalker Ranch. We need to prepare people. That's going to be a wild one. It's going to be a three-part end of this, like, group of episodes. Yeah. It's intense. Oh, yeah. I can't remember exactly which numbers it is, but... Soon. It's the last three episodes. Yeah. We've probably got four or five more before then, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So it's coming. It's coming. And it's going to be similar where there's just, we're talking about everything. Everything. UFOs, cryptozoological animals. Yep. Weird, esoteric Other ideas. dimensions. Other dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. This and one has all of that too. Yeah. So it's just freaky. And yeah, I feel like I need to get a map going and keep track of areas like this that have like this weird concentration of like everything. Mm-hmm. And then try to see if these things coincide with anything. Ley lines or yeah. weird horizontal bands Something. around the, the because planet. Seems like there could possibly, like this is definitely, and we will do an episode on the Bridgewater Triangle. And we would actually like to go to the Bridgewater Triangle Yes. when we do that and scope it out, although I'm scared. Yeah. Like I'd be scared to do this too. At least the Bridgewater Triangle is a little bit more like near more civilization, I feel like. Yeah. So I feel better about that. Like this... Is definitely like, you know, going through these woods, you know, makes it feel like we are not experienced hikers. Yeah. So I feel like we would probably get lost like legit and oh, yeah. die. Not of anything paranormal, but we no. would just disappear for real. Yeah. Be bad. So don't really want to fuck around with that. No. But Bridgewater Triangle is coming up. Oh, yeah. At some point. Someday. Yeah. So episode 18. It was, this was a good one. It was good. Yeah. And nice, it, local... this was finally another local one. I, that we actually both did. Yeah. The other local one was just me. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. boring. Yeah. It was really short. Yeah. Really boring. I talked I way too much about weird shit. It was good. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Hopefully the only solo episode I have to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Episode 18. Of Unknowable. Unknowable. Love you. <laughs>